Okay, good morning. Another Saturday morning. Uh, took a little uh, break there for last week and I uh, thought we'd pick up. So I think uh, last time out where we were talking about, you had uh, gone across um, Holland. You had both your both brothers that ended up uh, passing away. Uh, and you did have some, uh, you talked about your eye problems um, that kind of started while you were in Holland. So I think uh, we're early 2000s. Is that where it is? Or yeah, that was, yeah. No, was in 2000. In, yeah, well, in... In May 2028 of May, actually, I think it yeah. was the 27th when he died because mm -hmm. it was the 28th when they found him that mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, alone. So yep. anyway, he, uh, yeah, that was in in May. Funny thing that it feels funny when uh, you hear he died when two days before you were on the phone with him and uh, uh, I actually was planning on phoning the day that he died, but. Uh, and in, he was also saying, yeah, and he would like to come to Canada once more because uh, he always enjoyed it. And uh, why not? He was retired. Everything was shut down. So he had all the time in the world. But anyway, uh, uh, we got into, but the whole thing was, was finished. And uh, uh, I had a lot of stuff that I didn't want to lose. Uh, for instance, my parents' hope chests and the old clock and different uh, items that were used in the bakery that were from long before the war. And uh, uh, there were several things that I, I had a big crate made and put everything in there, including the uh, uh, reclining chair that was made by the same carpenter who uh, who made that dope in that I have here, uh, and he made his lathe out of a the, the contraption of an old sewing machine, that, like a treadle that you would drive by foot. And uh, then one time he called me up and said, "Could you put an electric motor on it?" So instead of buying a new lathe, he he just uh, electrified his his old lace. He could probably not separate from it. But anyway, uh, it was in 2001, and uh, uh, well, in 2000, when I had to go to Holland the second time, uh, uh, my brother-in-law Theo uh, Omer's uh, brother, uh, who lived in England, he uh, he came <coughs> over and. I spent a day with him because the next day I had to catch my flight to Holland and uh, that was the only time that I saw him during that holiday. It was a very unfortunate coincidence. But anyway, uh, in 2001 I got a message that the crate had sat in wherever in Holland and uh, it was being shipped to Canada and it was in Toronto and I had to make arrangements to have it uh, brought over to our place there on Dundas Street and uh, yeah they brought it in it was <laughs> quite a crate I meanwhile used up all the wood that it was made out of and inside I got 
the, the, the two hope chests that were filled with odds and ends and uh, they're sitting in the basement here. I just couldn't see uh, having them thrown in a dumpster that is very uh, as showing the disrespect <clears throat> that I couldn't handle. So anyway, I took that uh, took that here and then the old clock that uh, that was more or less the weekend focal point. Uh, uh, when I went out on like a Saturday or Sunday, uh, remember what time you got to be home? Yep. And even when I was 20 years old, it was still remember when you when you have to be home. And that was on the old clock. I will never forget it. Every time I wind it up, I I, <laughs> I remember those episodes where my dad gave me my my ultimatum, my warnings. Uh, see, Joseph was uh, cleaning out the house because uh, it had to be sold, and uh, well, it. Uh, it had to be all cleaned out before uh, before they could actually sell it. In fact, I uh, uh, there seemed to be no uh, fencing around the little garden, and uh, it needed to be fenced in because originally it had a, f a fencing, a wire fencing, and uh, uh, so we went to that co-op just around the corner from where Theo lived, and. We got the fancy material and put it up, and uh, Joseph was not, uh, he couldn't do anything, he was physically not able to do, so I did, <laughs> I did some fencing there for a bit, I had wrapped that around the garden, and uh, then it went up for sale, and uh, they, It uh, it was a it was a very finalizing kind of a day. Uh, uh, you see that well, you, you go to every room, every square foot outside, and your memories go over the past, and then you see this dumb box sitting on the driveway and. Uh, I had, uh, there was probably a button stop in there already that uh, I would have liked to have kept, but okay, they didn't see the value in it, and Joseph's uh, son-in-law and his kids, they came in and they were all heaving and hauling everything out uh, the, the window and to throw it in the dumpster. Uh, yeah, it uh, it was uh, to me it was very traumatic. But well, everything in life comes to an end. And uh, so, what ended up with the house? So but this is, it, again, just to clarify, this is this is the house you were born in. This is the one. No, that was the, the one that was built because of the, it, the, yeah. the roadway. So yeah, right, right, right. But it's the one you spent most of your childhood in. Well, yeah, I lived in there since. Uh, the 9th of May 1940, yeah. Yeah. because uh, well, I I was actually uh, uh, forever at the building site when mm -hmm. the, the old house was still standing, yeah. and 
uh, uh, right from the very beginning, they, they dug, and it was all done by hand, but yeah. they dug a basement there because you needed a basement or uh, a cellar. A basement is actually under the full house, but this was just a cellar because uh, digging them by hand, that is quite a job. But anyhow, uh, I remember going with the guy that was uh, holding the sand in yeah. and uh, and dumping it there and then we go back up and I was roaming around there. And, yeah, and, and when the bricklayers come in and the plasters come in, then I had to just watch every little movement. It was very uh, an extremely interesting thing to see how a house was being put together. And of course, that was with the newest building materials available. And uh, uh, I was surprised how they made the inside partitions between the, the, the bedrooms. But anyhow. Uh, so, yeah, so you saw it actually being built. You lived there. That's where the bakery was. That's where you lived. When your dad passed away, that's where Teo lived. And I think while he was still alive, part of it got turned into like a general store kind of thing, if I understand correctly. Uh, well, the, the bakery was closed yeah. and, uh, and Teo uh, yeah. started to uh, sell uh, bread and pastries yeah. Yeah. that he got from the other baker right. that, uh, in, in the village. So he had a little bit of a kind of a retail operation, yeah, kind yeah. of bakery, but not actually make at the bakery there. So. Yeah, no, it was not homemade, yeah. but it, uh, yeah. uh, but he did sell a lot of candies yeah. and, a, and a lot of pastries that yeah. he got then, and uh, uh, general goods like uh, flour and mm. rice and what have you, you know, dry goods, yeah. and oh. uh, that's all that he actually and candies, candies of yeah. course, because. Uh, and and pies. The guy also made pies, and uh, the kids come out of school, and they would stop in there. And Teo was telling me once that one guy came in, and he bought a cherry pie. And uh, you, uh, you know, usually uh, he he sells a pie and he puts it in a box. Special boxes were made for that, just like the pizza here. You know the. They have special boxes to it. Anyway, it, uh, Teo says to the guy, oh, just a minute, I'll put it in the box. Oh, no, don't don't worry. He says, but if you're on the bike, uh, how are you going to get it home with, with one hand? And no, the guy, the guy said, don't worry. He's just one of those high school kids. And uh, he paid for the thing, goes outside. And while he comes out, before he takes his bike, he starts to eat that pie. And about 10 minutes later, he jumped on the bike and, and the pie was gone. They said, I've never seen anything like that. He said that, mm -hmm. and it reminded, uh, it reminded me of one occasion. Uh, I would have taken it as kind of impossible to, in 10 minutes' time, eat a whole bloody pie. But uh, when I was over at my sister-in-law's, I stopped in there one time, and she had just made a plum pie, and boy, she was a good baker. It was in Fairport Beach, and uh, and so I come in, and uh, you like a cup of coffee? I said, yeah, I wouldn't mind. She made good coffee, and uh, she was baking uh, another kind of pie. There was, there was one sitting there that had semi-cooled already, and uh, so uh, would you like a piece of pie with it? I said, oh yeah, I love that plum pie you make. 
and it was good, terrific. Never had pie like this uh, since. But anyway, uh, I ate that piece of pie in. Well, I just ate it quick as if I was totally empty, but it was so good. And uh, she said, uh, would you would you like another piece? Because I ate it so fast, I probably would have liked a bigger piece. And I said, well, if, I, uh, if it doesn't bother you, I, yeah, I wouldn't mind another piece. And, and then all of a sudden it occurred to her that I went just for a joke. And she took the plate with the pie on it and put it in front of me here. Eat the whole thing, she said. You can easily, easily handle that. I said, "Thank you. I'm going to eat it. Yeah, that, go ahead." And I, I, I'm not saying it took only ten minutes, but uh, being able to eat a whole mm. plump, I, I know that the kid could do it. And I was by then already a lot older than the guy there in the outside the store. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, Theo had uh, a, a lot of fun with. Kids coming in, and he was also involved with uh, volleyball and whatnot. He was on the uh, the secretary, I believe, the volleyball club, and uh, that was actually his life to see, uh, you know, to go around. He he loved children. And I found out when uh, when he came here because uh, uh, the very first time. Well, it was maybe a couple of days once he got climatized, you know, like the time difference, and he got used to uh, the, the new time frame. He uh, he came to me and he says, "I hope you understand that uh, things are a bit different now. That uh, uh, I don't have kids, but you do, and for the three weeks that I'm here, they're mine." So. I hope you don't mind. I said, no, by all means, uh, because they were crazy about him. He, uh, he had something about him that uh, attracted kids. But of course, that was the reason why he uh, had all the kids coming in the store uh, from the schools uh, back home. So, yeah, he, uh, that was his life since he never had his own. And I was happy to see that uh, our kids could bond with uh, with him because, uh, of course, over the years I told them about it and our childhood and whatnot. So they, uh, uh, we had, uh, we were living in Brooklyn at the time, and uh, we had a big park in the back, and uh, he went walking there, and then Mom went walking with him because, well. Uh, she had met him once, but uh, that was just that once. But uh, apparently they hit it off okay. So uh, when I was working, then uh, she could take him into the park and they uh, they go and get ice cream or eat something at uh, uh, they have some food tent or something in the park. Uh, no, they all had a, a, a great time. Uh, so what happened to the his, the place? Dale's well, passed away. What, yeah, well, the that was got, my original question. So yeah, well, it got sold, mm -hmm. and uh, some guy who had a, a landscaping business mm -hmm. of all things, because we didn't have much room for for a landscaping yeah. business. Uh, uh, it, it it was just the old garden that mm -hmm. uh, that it was. Uh, 
sitting on. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, but the guy that bothered his wife was a beautician, I believe they call mm -hmm. that. You know, like uh, clip nails and do the uh, facials and eyebrows, you name it, whatever uh, a woman likes to get mm -hmm. done. And well, she would do it. And she was uh, licensed and very professional. And she wanted to use the store for that. And it was totally transformed. I heard that later on mm -hmm. uh, via uh, mail letters that uh, the people in the uh, in uh, in the in the house, they uh, and people in the village, they they go there, and it was she had coffee and tea and what have you pastries for when customers were waiting or the drop-ins or whatever, and uh, yeah, it was judging by the pictures, it was a nice place. But anyway, uh, I didn't know until just last year, this year, last year when. Uh, I don't know who sent it to me, but I got a video sent to me. Oh, the, it was a video that was made by the real estate because he put the thing up for sale again. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, that is what was his idea, I think, in the first place. Uh, he saw the potential there, and uh, so they had the wall between the bakery and the store they had that broken open and they put a big opening in there, so it was one great big area, double the store, because the store and the bakery were just about the same size. So, uh, uh, and then the rest of the house, uh, we had, in the upstairs where the, we, we used the, the storage in that area, uh, we used for storage, but there was above the, above the bedrooms, there was a, like an, uh, space right under the roof, like mm -hmm. uh, the, where the roof slants and like a triangle kind of thing. Uh, but it had no floor on the beams and uh, my dad hid a lot of stuff there uh, uh, at the start of the war so that uh, he would have some uh, coffee and sugar and stuff like that that you couldn't get. And he was well aware of what the war would do. And, uh, and and cigarettes. <laughs> I went up there one time and I saw that he had cartons of cigarettes and cigars, boxes of cigars. But there was uh, over the stairway uh, in uh, down below, there was a big hole that uh, uh, that had been built, and almost as if he knew. Uh, and there was a floor put in so you could go in there, but you would have a hell of a time getting out because mm -hmm. uh, it was quite deep. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, he uh, he stored all that stuff and I went investigating one time what is all up here because uh, I saw that going up that kind of, well, it was a ladder that was sitting under the eaves on, in the storage. But he would put it up there and then climb up and go in there to get whatever he had to get. And I was, of course, curious as hell what could possibly be up there in that dusty nest. And so uh, I saw this cart and the cigarettes. I said, oh boy. And well, who would miss a pack of cigarettes? But uh, we wanted to smoke. 
and uh, Wheel and I, we were already uh, smoking a little bit, but that was with that homemade tobacco that the farmers grew, and it was, uh, well, it was better than the surrogate that we got from the government, but uh, it seemed so manly and grown up to smoke, except we weren't, of course, allowed to smoke, but uh, we somehow had to get used to it already, so we had everything, and I had cigarettes, and uh, uh, but I took, I took a couple, one for real and one for me, and then we go out into the fields or wherever in the bushes and we would sit there and then have a smoke. And we had to do it the same as Will's brother and my brother and uh, you know, you uh, you got to inhale otherwise you don't smoke. Uh, so we were sitting in the bush and uh, the first time my dad's, uh, I, would be, I had the cigarettes in my pocket and my dad says, what's rattling in your pocket? I said, uh, oh, it's some matches. Matches, let me see. So I showed them the, the little uh, wooden boxes of matches. I still have the same very box right here in my, my desk drawer, but uh, just for the heck of it, I bought it along. Uh, and he said, what do you do with matches? He said, uh, you're, you're not allowed to smoke. You can't make a fire. Uh, you got to be able to entertain yourself without matches. Give them here. So I had to turn in my matches and so much for smoking that day. He says, where's the matches? I said, well, Dad heard them in my pocket then. I said, but I'll bring, I'll bring a couple tomorrow. So I got a, another box of matches in the store and uh, I took it apart and I put a couple of matches in a piece of paper, newspaper and a couple of cigarettes. I rolled it up so it wouldn't make any noise. And uh, did you bring it? Yep. And uh, what about the matches? I said, yeah, I bought a couple. And I took the side where you strike the match from the box so the noise, there's no noise. I put the matches that is left over with the cigarettes that I hit under the mattress. And, uh, okay, let's go where you want to go. I said, well, when you go to the edge of the river, there's a bunch of bushes and we can sit in it and nobody can see us. And uh, so we... And there we lit up, we only needed one match. And uh, and the clouds of smoke coming out, and of course we were sucking the cigarettes back like crazy. And uh, the smoke coming out of the bush, it was almost biblical, uh, with, with a burning bush. And some farmer came by and he saw smoke coming out of the bush, and somehow he thought that we were in there. He went into the store and he told my sister, I don't know, but I think your little brother is smoking and Ria said, uh, what do you mean? Uh, well, I uh, near the bridge there, I, I saw smoke coming out of the bush and I thought I saw him with, uh, with, uh, with, his, uh, with his friend sitting there with Will. Oh, oh, so of course when I come home I had to confess that I did smoke and uh, yeah, so that was uh, but there was no question where did you get the cigarettes because it probably was home rolled with paper, a little bit of tobacco. But it wasn't. These were actually pre-war brand. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, that all went okay. Nobody asked where, where did you get them or did you have any more. 
until one day my sister Annie, she, you know, every year you, they're quite heavy and you take all these heavy mattresses and whatnot and you take them, hang them out the window to let them air out. And uh, it's a day's job to uh, to do that in, in each room. And, uh, uh, well, my guy, the, I never knew, but I was in school. And and he took the the mattress out and hung it in the uh, in the dormer window to air out. And well, there it was, right between the bottom, like the box spring and uh, and the mattress. There was and those mattresses were a little bit different than what you have now. And uh, uh, there was a paper opened up the, that the cigarettes were in originally. <coughs> And they were still in between the box spring and the mattress. But nobody ever got that far in except I did because I had to reach in to get another couple of cigarettes and another match or two. And uh, so I came home for at uh, lunchtime from school because I always went to be, we were close enough to walk home for lunch. And uh, I, I come home and Oh, uh, my dad says he just came in uh, from the bakery, he came into the room and he says, uh, oh, uh, can you come to the bakery? I got to show you. We found a nest of uh, little mice. And he knew that I would be all excited about that. I said, a nest of little mice? Yeah, he says, I, I says, are they still alive? Yeah, you come and have a look. And I went to the bakery and there at the end of the workbench, and that was a part that was hardly ever used, uh, except when it was very busy. And uh, there was that paper with the cigarettes and everything on it. And Annie had given to my dad to uh, and see what he does. So uh, where did you get that? Well, so I had to confess where it came from and whatnot. Uh, there were not that many left, uh, maybe. A half a dozen, but still, uh, uh, they were there, and that was the end of our pre-war cigarette smoking. And nobody else in the village had any, so we were very fortunate that way. And uh, from there on, we uh, used to go to the tobacco fields, and the bottom, well, you know all about tobacco, but uh, the bottom leaves, they turned yellow, and we would pick them off put them under our shirt and then take them home and then in the back where they kept the farm implements over at Wheelsholm, uh, we put them in, uh, in there, let them dry uh, and then uh, we roll them up and cut them with a kitchen knife and uh, we got a, a, a like a little book of cigarette paper and so we were back in business, we could smoke and matches of course you could always find. There were no lighters yet, and uh, so we continued smoking, and that was okay. But I remember the first time, and in, in the very beginning, when we smoked the first one, and you got to inhale, you got to inhale. Yeah, I'm inhaling, and sick. You talk, oh man, I was sick. But and I turned as white as a bedsheet, and so did we. But uh, we had smoked, and we had inhaled, and of course that is where. We got hooked on smoking, which lasted until 1990. That's when I finally got enough sense to quit. Uh, yeah, those were 
some of the early days. Uh, but yeah, the house got sold. When I saw that video, the way it has been redone, the attic, the attic room where the cigarettes were, they had put the floor in there and it was finished. There was actually a little bedroom. And uh, I thought, why didn't we think that we needed the, the room? They put an extra stairway in, however they did it. And it's a beautiful little uh, uh, video. Uh, I wish my parents could actually see that video, uh, uh, the way they transformed the house the way it was when they moved in, because I didn't recognize it anymore. Holy mackerel, it was fancy. But uh, I, I don't know, it, uh, they did tell me how much they got for it, or were asking for it rather, but uh, it was around a million euros, so that was for uh, being in the, in the village, not a bad price, but uh, I know we didn't get anywhere near that kind of money for the thing, but uh, uh, that, that as a matter, we, we were happy with the price we got, and uh, it was all looked after by real estate, and uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I got to check and see. Uh, yeah, we were. Uh, that was in 2000, and in 2001, we got that uh, that crate. I got it all unpacked. Then the the deal of the house got settled, and mm -hmm. that was all straightened out. And. Uh, I had that I trouble that started when I was in Ypres, yep. and that got kind of fixed up, I've asked, but mm -hmm. fixed up, and uh, so we traveled. I uh, I was not allowed to drive uh, for a while by surgeon's orders for my eye. My eyesight was mm -hmm. not up to date to be able to drive. So and we wanted to go and see Tam in Tilsenburg because, uh, well, uh, she was living in Tilsenburg and uh, uh, you, you get grandchildren, you, 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 you got to go and see them. You can't stay away. And uh, so on Monday morning, we go back to Whitby and, uh, uh, but before we get home, yeah, well, uh, you think we could go next weekend? And well, I don't know. But did you talk to them about it? Because you don't want to bother them all the time. But uh, well, we'll see. But uh, it is, you know, it, it, it's barely Monday, so uh, we kept going back and forth. And I needed, uh, I I had to go by train, so we took the via in Whitby and. Uh, uh, well, in Oshawa, actually, a bit, the, the thing didn't stop. And that was all the way to Woodstock, and then from there, we would be picked up and we go to Tilsenburg. And uh, I, uh, somebody told me that I did not have to pay because I could not drive, but 
my uh, seeing eye dog or person guiding me would have to pay for the trip, but uh, I could go for free, uh, providing I had a ticket from the doctor. So of course I start, I mentioned that to Dr. Nickerson one time, I said I, uh, I have to have a doctor's uh, uh, okay for going on the train, and I explained, oh yeah, he says, that I, I know what you need. And uh, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll write that out. So he went into his office and he, well, he had this little office, recreation room in his barn where he spent all his free time. And uh, he made a bunch of tickets and here he said, that should do you for a while. He says, when you run out, let me know. And every time when I went to get a ticket at the railroad station, I would give in my ticket and I had to buy one ticket for mom. And, uh, uh, well, that was full price. And then we said, well, uh, why would we sit in coach? We can sit first class and uh, then you get the meal included, which is, uh, and, and everything is served, uh, you know, you're really pampered first class in, in the in uh, in the CN here and uh, so that is uh, that is how we traveled back and forth and then uh, why and Tam said one time why do you guys go back and forth back and forth all the time uh, why don't you look around take an extra day look around and buy a house in Tilsenburg and well yeah well, why not so that's what we did. Uh, we looked around and a sales lady from some sales office, I forget the name of the... Uh, anyway, uh, I shouldn't have forgotten, but I did. Uh, she came to uh, show for us around. She had a list of houses that were on the market and then we could actually go and see them and which one would you like. Then you can put an offer in on one and. So that's what we did, and then finally we came to this place, and she said, well, I, uh, I called the lady and she said it was okay, but the day after that the, the real estate people usually go through the house to have a look at it, and she had no, she didn't have a look at it except a quick glance when, uh, when it was put on the market uh, by her real estate office, and... Uh, so uh, we uh, we finally ended up in this place. Uh, we had seen well probably half a dozen or so, and then uh, she said there is one more, but uh, uh, the real estate hasn't been in there. But you can make an offer if you want, and maybe it's a wise thing because when the real estate people go through there, they might make it a priority because it has a fairly fair sized backyard and that could make a big difference for some people because uh, a lot of people, you know how the, the size of backyards nowadays and so she was a real sales lady, she was trying to sell a house, sell a high water and I came in here, we went in the front door and the lady was just swapping or uh, mopping the, the front hall and. I see this chandelier hanging in the hallway and uh, ceramic tiles on the floor and holy mackerel, that, uh, that's nice and nice winding staircase. Well, that didn't 
wind, but it, it had a 90 degree turn at the bottom, and uh, uh, a nice newer post and spindles. And uh, the one thing that I didn't like is it had the, there was a big opening between the living room and the dining room, but it had been closed off, and you could tell it was a homemade kind of a deal. And then the lady said, well, uh, that is actually the living room, but we use it for a bedroom. But you can turn it into a living room again, of course. And uh, uh, if you want to have a look, it's okay. The, the, the dog is always lying there at, uh, at the foot of the bed. He's always sleeping there during the night. And in the daytime, a lot of times, he wants to be there. They had a big dog sitting, laying there on the floor. He looked up like, oh, what the hell are you doing here? So we looked around and then I came to this step here from the dining room into the kitchen. Look out through these big uh, garden wind doors, windows, and I saw the size of the backyard and the little uh, garden shed in the back and I thought, holy mackerel, imagine that. And I was already at that moment adding uh, a piece onto that little shed for a workshop because I had to have a workshop. There was no way that I would just, just throw in the towel and do nothing. Uh, somehow I had to continue on. I was still young enough. I wasn't retired that long and feeling good. So I said to her, well, this is it. We've seen enough. And uh, you don't like it? I said, oh, I love the place. I said, I will put the bit in. We have to discuss it. And so I put the bit in and the next day, the the boss from that real estate office came in and the deal was that I made an offer and we were staying at your place at the time and uh, the guy Mo, Mohammed, uh, I forget his last name, but anyway, he would be there by 8 o'clock p.m. and uh, if the deal had been accepted, but he said he didn't know if he, if they would, but uh, the, the only good fortune is uh, they bought a house and they can't carry both and they don't know how long it is going to be before they're going to sell their house and they, so they are caught between two, two places and then they're stuck. So they may be a little bit anxious to get rid of this one. Well, I said, well, this is my offer, and uh, well, I'll see what they say. He went up there, five minutes to eight, and I was given up already. Well, uh, they didn't take it, of course not. Uh, but did I know how the real estate went at the time? Uh, when I went into uh, buying a house, that was so long ago, uh, back in the in the early 60s, late 50s, that... Uh, uh, and that was altogether different. I didn't even know what uh, the real estate was like around here. So anyway, uh, he said, I got the papers, they are signed. They just signed them. And he said, uh, you can, uh, well, they, uh, we had to give a deposit or something. I, I forget now what, but anyway, uh, you can get the keys whenever and, uh, and we had the closing date, and the closing date was for early December in 2002. 
Yeah, because that's when we moved in, in 2002. So we were the, the latest Tilsenburg citizens then, because everything moved and, uh, and then uh, we, I got a, a mover in Oshawa and well, he didn't quite do what he was supposed to do, but anyway, he was short a, a van or truck or whatever, and uh, maybe I could take the rest out of the workshop and do that myself. And I said, yeah, and he would allow me X, X number of dollars for doing that. And, and it worked out fine because I wouldn't want them guys to, to uh, unload the workshop, so to speak. And uh, so I rented a, a, a U-Haul and uh, your dad and uncles and what have you, we all went up to uh, uh, to Whitby, loaded all the rest up and, uh, and came back here and, and there was a big stack of lumber that, this, the, the store, this, that I had in storage, good, good material um, that I didn't want to leave behind. And all that was sitting in the back of that, uh, that big van, that U-Haul uh, van. And uh, here we came down the 401 with uh, a van with the people in it. And then the driver of the U-Haul and, and me following. And we all were in there and they unloaded it all. And there was a pile of lumber sitting in, in the back there. I, I had to leave it outside and a lot of my equipment was sitting outside because the some of it couldn't go in that little garden shed. And, uh, but it sat there and it gave me a good reason to start working on my, my workshop. But the only thing was I wanted a lot of things changed in the house yet. So that is what had to be done first. And uh, I made a bit of a workshop in the basement so I could make some cuts and I didn't have to run back and forth, put in a lot of wainscot and whatnot. And then your mom and dad came uh, came to help uh, with paper hanging and painting and what have you. And uh, uh, your dad was hauling those boxes of vinyl records. Uh, I had about 1,500 of them all in, in crates, milk crates mainly, and, uh, and they were ungodly heavy. The, that vinyl is, <laughs> is quite heavy. But uh, no, he just uh, went at it as if it was nothing, and well, uh, probably was easier on him than on me. But uh, we had Sinden come in to paper the living room ceiling, and we bought the wallpaper and what have you from Sinden and uh, it kind of made me feel good uh, to go and buy something local like uh, it's nice to, to to get to know the local people so uh, and Mrs. Sinden was very nice she was in in the store when I bought it and uh, so we were quite busy with that. And the funny thing, this silver counter, the well, stainless steel counter, there was a uh, steam counter, they called it, was for in a restaurant. 
and uh, if you put the 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 bread in uh, to keep it uh, fresher, like the bread would be kept like new feeling for a few days, but you had to put uh, some hot water underneath, uh, and uh, so that is what. Uh, that's what they did, but uh, Charlie had that sitting in the warehouse and uh, it came out of the Hash House restaurant and uh, well, he didn't need it. I said, well, what do you do with uh, with all those uh, kitchen appliances? He says, well, be my guest, do whatever you want with it, but uh, I don't need it anymore. You can take it to the dump. I said, well, no, I can see if I can sell it. So, uh, and this counter, for some reason, I... I really like the thing, stainless steel, which is, and I didn't know at the time that uh, I would have, end up putting it in here because before we left, I had put it in the basement and uh, we put boxes on and we stored stuff inside. It was just like a cupboard, but in the basement. And my mom said, well, and so when, uh, when you come to Tilsenburg, uh, well, you're gonna take this and take that, but don't uh, like uh, appliances and whatnot. Don't take that silver thing because that's what she called it—the silver thing. I don't want a dirty thing in the house. Okay, okay, don't worry. But of course, everything was gone, and the silver thing was still sitting there with me. And when we went there with the cube, and um, and then your dad says, "What about this uh, this stainless steel counter?" I said, "Oh no, no," I said. I'm taking that, I says, I know that mom doesn't like it, but I like it. For some reason, I I think I got a good spot for it. So anyway, um, they carried it up the back steps here and onto the deck. And she comes out. And uh, so you had to bring it anyway. I said, yes, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. There is lots of room to store it. And uh, so that is how it came in uh, and then I built it in here because this kitchen it is one big open room and I remember the previous owner they had a, a, like a, a Chesterfield kind of a bench and a TV sitting in the corner there where I have my computer and then they had this dining room table where they ate and then the kitchen and the dining room were, were all one because the dining room was kind of used for living room and the living room was used for a bedroom. And uh, by the time I broke that, that opening open again so that we could use the living room for the, that bedroom for a living room again of the original, uh, uh, we had, I had to fix up the frame because it had some big nails in there that they had to put the drywall on and they had a little door put in there so it was separate and they had a bed in the loft of all places and one of the kids I think must have slept in the loft and uh, and the other one uh, there was enough bedroom but uh, somehow that is how they had it arranged so I had to redo to the original intent for the house and well here we are it uh, uh, it suits me nice it's uh, it's a uh, it's a big backyard, and uh, it still is. It didn't matter at the time, but now I have to get the grass cut all the time.
Uh, uh, so it's coming up on 20 years you've been in Tillsburg now. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I came in towards, well, in the second half, I think it was on the 16th. No, wait a minute. Mom came in on the 6th and I stayed in Whitby uh, in the house there. Uh, uh, and I slept on the floor. I, I took, I kept some bedding that, that they didn't move yet so that I had a place to lie down. And uh, uh, it had to be all finished. Everything had to move. And then I had to bring the uh, bring the key in. So uh, that was a week, I think about a week later. So that must have been uh, 13, 14, or 15th of, of uh, December of 2002 when, when we moved in here. And it was not long after that when uh, there was Christmas. And uh, uh, well, we were still kind of moving in because in a week's time you don't get everything put in place and certainly not at our age but uh, with your parents help and uh, it all worked out fine so in uh, 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 they yeah we we were living here and then uh, John had gone to the States. I didn't know. We, we were not told. He just wanted, wanted to go. He had a girlfriend and uh, he wanted to go to the States. He had a week or so holidays and uh, I believe two weeks. And uh, he wanted to go to the States. He was very much in love with the, the nature there and he went to... I. The Doma, I think the place was in Arizona, of all places. But he had seen that on the internet, and he, uh, yeah, that's where he wanted to go. Him and his girlfriend. Well, fine, uh, things were different then than when we were that age. So we were sitting here. Um, I think the day, two days after New Year, or the first week of of two thousand and three. And the two of them came in here, un unexpected, uh, the bell goes, and uh, who would that be? Uh, Hi, how are you? And there is John and Tammy. And, uh, oh, so how, what brings you here? Well, we just came back from the States. Oh, you, you were in the States? Yeah, well, I had holidays and I got good news. So what is the good news? Well, we got married. That's the first, that's how I learned that uh, they actually got married. I knew that they were planning on, but we didn't know when or how. But that's where they decided to uh, to get married. So that's what they did, and uh, that was in two thousand and three, January two thousand and three, and sometime in in two thousand and three, they uh, Tammy's parents. And then John and Tammy, they had arranged to, uh, to well, they rented a big tent. And I mean a big tent. And they 
were going to have their reception there. And uh, their family was all there on our side. And uh, so that's where uh, that's where we went. Uh, that was over where uh, John's in-laws lived. And uh, yeah, that was a that was a nice, uh, nice, a nice area. So, uh, John, I forget, I forget where he was living a day. Oh, he had a house. He bought a house in Oshawa, and I think it was called Carvet. And uh, that's where they moved in. But it wasn't long after that, and John being uh, involved with real estate via the paper, the the Oshawa Times, which was part of the Toronto Star. Uh, uh, he saw another house, and it was on Stillwell, and it had just been built, and uh, it gave them a lot more uh, moving space. So uh, that would have worked out great, and it did. Except that it wasn't long after that, and uh, he just had the house put in order the way he liked it and then the paper got him, uh, he got the promotion and but uh, he had to go to to Ottawa and so he sold the house, he bought the house in Ottawa and they, they moved to Ottawa, well that is what happens when you get a, a chance to uh, to move up you, you, grab, you grab the opportunity so that's what that's what they did, and uh, so meanwhile I was, uh, yeah, in 2003 is when I started to build the workshop too. Uh, it, uh, yeah, that was in 2003, I remember uh, I made the drawing because it had to fit the the lot and it had to be within the the rules and limits of the bylaws and uh, I went to uh, I, I made it wrong took it up to the town hall and the guy checked it and it was stamped it is okay it was approved and uh, I got my permit because I didn't know how things were but I thought well with me at uh, uh, Tilsenburg may, I don't know Tilsenburg at all, so how do I know what the neighbors are, because sometimes you start doing something and you have a neighbor who was not too happy with the previous people that lived there or whatever, or not happy with the present owner who is putting up a workshop, and uh, they go and check and see that he have a permit. I know that it has happened at that time in this neighborhood that somebody went to, to see if they had the permit for a garage that they built and uh, the town made them build, uh, take down that garage and uh, it was uh, it was barely uh, down and uh, so uh, can I get a permit and could you tell me how I have to build it? The guy said and the town told them, well, you can put it back up again, but make sure you have a, a permit this time. That's that's all there was. They were supposed to have had a permit 
and they didn't because well, why bother with the permit for a, for a garage? There was not a house. So I made sure I had the permit, and sure enough, uh, it was being checked on. And but I did have the paper, uh, the permit, so I was in the clear. And uh, soon enough, I started to make my woodworking stuff again, like my bird houses and bird feeders. Uh, I had all the the the, the molds for it and what have you. So uh, and then different stores that were phoning for it have. Uh, can I have a few more bird feeders or bird house or can you make a sleigh or a wagon or what have you covered? And uh, well, I'm just beginning to get the workshop set up and you know, it's a big move. Okay, as soon as you have some ready, then could you bring it over? Okay, and in the beginning they actually didn't want me to come and bring it up, lose time, uh, just uh, we'll pick it up. So. Things were going really well, and I thought, my golly, this is going good, but uh, Tilsburg and Whitby were two different areas, two different uh, cultures, so to speak, and uh, in Whitby I had no trouble right there on Highway 2, you, you could sell anything, but uh, here in Tilsburg, it's, uh, you know, nobody knew me, no, nobody knew about me, so uh, 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 I depended on the stores uh, ultimately, and then eventually, well, I got to do some other things, and uh, soon enough, I had to have a surgery done on my knee, and so, uh, well, uh, it came to an end. Uh, uh, I I had enough parts left. In fact, they still sit. In the workshop, I never used them up because I barely get done with the one surgery and recovered from it, and then uh, then I get a heart attack. But anyway, that is uh, that is in the future. At the time, it was still going nice. So yeah, I I think that uh, this is episode number fifty, and we might as well uh, end it here, I guess, because. Uh, before I, uh, before I get uh, all mixed up, uh, I, I have to, I have to think too much to see uh, what I'm at because it, uh, uh, <laughs> it's like my usual. I, I jump from one thing to another. So, uh, yeah. Okay. We'll stop it here and we'll pick it up next time.